welcome to another exciting episode of Legends in the Dark, where the only thing that's scarier than our stories is just how damn talented we are. <laughs> My name is Jay. And I am the humble Leslie. Humble nothing. I'm amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. How are you doing, Leslie? You know, not too bad. It's been a long week. Been a hard week. But, you know, this was a really kind of shining light at the end of the week. I was really looking forward to sitting down and Zooming with you. And I, I was seriously so excited to, like, tell you all these ghost stories that I've been listening to been watching and then my own story that i researched tonight like i'm really excited about it how about are you, you gonna tell us the story about how scooby-doo and the gang found curly's gold well it was actually no gold it was just the theme park owner in a costume oh old man withers he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those darn kids that meddling dog <laughs> when i was a kid Watching cartoons, I love the Scooby-Doo cartoons because I always thought, oh man, when I'm a teenager, that's totally what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive around in a van and solve mysteries. <laughs> Wasn't that on The Simpsons one time? Like Marge asked Homer, like, is this how you thought life was going to be? And he's like, well, pretty much. Except, you know, I thought we were going to be driving around in a van solving mysteries. <laughs> I don't remember that episode. But there's a lot of The Simpsons I haven't watched. I, I feel like I stopped maybe over 10 years ago. And I've only watched, like, a few of, like, the um, Halloween Treehouse of Horrors kind of episodes. And even oh, then, yeah. I kind of was like, meh. Are you guys gearing up for season two of The Mandalorian? Probably Chris. I'm, I'm not really watching it. I can't wait for season two of The House on Haunted Hill, even though it's not The House of Haunted Hill. I think it's called, it's going to be called, like, The Bay House. Mm. That's going to be fun. I want, I want them to finally put out season two of Evil. Evil. I think I've seen that. Is that the CBS? It's, so it's the one that has the woman who's the, she's a psychologist, and the guy, uh, he's like a, a priest, priest, I think. Yeah. Or like a, a former priest? He's a practicing. He's not, he's like, well, he's not, I guess he's not officially a priest yet. He's training. He's a priest in training. They do these exorcisms and stuff like that, and like, Oh, you know, there's a there's a logical explanation for all this stuff while they're vomiting out nails and stuff, you know. <laughs> so and I, he's just, I and he's looking at her like, lady, no. I know. I remember that, watching. I happen. think like the first two episodes. I think. Oh, it gets it gets good. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll check it out. We we bought the CBS pass for Picard and Discovery, and I just I always keep forgetting that we have it. Yeah. But it's such a long series, and I just don't have that kind of patience. Yeah, with long series, I love starting it, and then I'll get... It's like it's like every time I used to try to watch Supernatural again, I remember I said, okay, I'm going to watch the whole season because this is their final season, and I was like season four, and they're like, oh, they're coming out season five. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is now I'll watch the whole thing. And, I mean, it's a now good show. Don't, don't get me wrong. But after after about five seasons, like you know, what? I gotta switch it up, and that's for everything. I could watch Sopranos do the same thing. I could watch my celebrity ghost stories do the same thing. Like I but, gotta stop and do something new. I don't know Supernatural. I feel like, and, and we'll move on after this point. But I feel like Supernatural is fast paced enough that I can actually sit through it and be entertained. Star Trek just kind of there's like there are there are episodes where it just drags. Yeah, I I 
I feel like that with Picard that I really had to get into it. And even then, I don't think I watched the whole season, I feel like. Their prime directive is it's just terrible. <laughs> it's just terrible. Well, okay, well, enough of that, I guess. Oh, uh, let, me sit, let me sit up. I feel like my voice is, my beautiful voice isn't coming through clear enough here. <laughs> my so, melodic tones. So you are going first this week. Let's do this. Sit down, ye children, and I shall tell you a tale. It's about a three-hour trip. Oh, no. <laughs> This guy made way more of a trip, way longer a trip than that. This is a tale, a tale of a man and a monster. The bells, bells, bells. I keep thinking of Frankenstein. I was actually thinking, like, is he going to tell us Frankenstein? (laughs) No, I was actually Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, Can't start singing tunes on this show because I don't want to get sued. We don't have that much money for copyright. True, man. Disney would chew us up and spit us out. So, anyways, this tale I'm telling today takes us to the cold, barren plains of Siberia. We shall speak today of the strange yet true tale of Grigory Rasputin. Nice. 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 You know they did uh, a drunk history on him? Oh, I'm sure they did. (laughs) So was it Jack Black playing him? I no, feel like it was, was uh, Jerry O'Connell. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. Grigory Rasputin. This this is going to be a slight departure from what I normally tell because this is again it's strange because it's true as it's historical fact that these things happened. Hopefully, it's not too dry because you know historical fact and all. Yeah, but you know what? I think his the story about him. It's just it encompasses so much history of that time but then it's also a little legend like legendy in itself like it's almost surrounded in myth of the man he made himself a legend exactly exactly so I'm, i'm actually looking forward to this you know me i love history let's do this so gregory rasputin a man who was born into meager means in and forgive me if I pronounce all these Russian names wrong, because Russian is not my forte. Pokrovskoy, Siberia, in 1869. His family were peasants, surviving through farming and his father's employment as a government courier. In his early years, Rasputin was no stranger to petty crimes and was known to have be a mischievous youth with a checkered past. His transformation came after going on a spiritual pilgrimage at the age of 28 to St. Nicholas Monastery in Verkoturi, which was 421 miles away. Dude walked. Whoa. From Siberia. From Siberia. Not an easy walk. Siberia is very flat and very cold. I can't imagine. So while he was at the monastery, studied... He was actually illiterate up until his later years, which some people may not know since he was born into a poor class. Poorer classes tended to not be formally educated. But at the monastery, he learned to read and write. And he spent several months at the monastery before returning home, looking, quote, disheveled and unkempt, and began traveling as a stronic or a holy wanderer for years and gathered a small group of dedicated followers. Now, during his earlier years also, Rasputin was known to have 
strange, unexplainable healing abilities. Like he was able to heal sick animals, horses and things like that. And kind of put him in a bad place with the other people in his village because, you know, anytime somebody is able to do something you can't explain, they think, oh, you're possessed by the devil. Ah. Or you're a witch. Right? I'm like, yeah, the devil goes around healing people. That's what he's known for, right? Totally. I get it. I actually I kind of also forgot that the reason why he had to go to the monastery. It was One, it was a spiritual pilgrimage. Two, he kind of had to go because he was kind of hiding in the monastery, too, because he was accused of being a horse thief. Oh, so he was hiding out. Yeah, dude, he also had a wife and, like, four children that he just kind of had to up and leave because he just couldn't stick around anymore. I never knew that he had a wife and four children. It was two or four, but he had kids. Apologies, left that little tidbit out. Okay, so back to his group of dedicated followers. Now, when he was back home, he lived with his parents still. We've all been there. (laughs) He co-opted his family's basement and converted it into a makeshift church, where his acolytes would gather in prayer, sing strange, unfamiliar hymns, and, (laughs) the best part, even engage in sexual acts and orgies. That I remember from Drunken History. Sounds about right. So the rumor was that Rasputin had begun to follow the fringe sect of the Russian Orthodox Church, which is called Kalisti, which believed that one could become closer to God, not through spiritual texts and prayer, but committing carnal sin. If I'm, if I'm getting it correct, that the belief was that you committed carnal sins, like sexual acts of depravity and things like that, and then you fervently repented afterwards somehow it's supposed to get you closer to God than you could be with just by reading the Bible and other spiritual texts like that. Okay. Weird, but okay. Right? Dude's weird. His true infamy and power came through his charisma and influence. He became well-known as a holy man with great powers, also healing and things like that. He befriended, in his later years, befriended many of the Russian court and aristocracy where he gained, also gained influence over the, the Russian royal family, Tsar Nicholas II and Tsarina Alexandra, dudes moving up in the world. Yeah, see, this is where I usually know the story from. I, d- I never really knew the early history, but this is about the time I, I am introduced to him is through the family. Right. So, yeah, he, I mean, he was everything to the, to the Tsar and his family. He was a spiritual advisor, basically just an advisor in general. Like, he advised him on all kinds of things, like spiritualism, matters of state, things to do with his own family. He like, advised him on all that stuff. And his bond solidified the royal family when he healed their sick son, Alexei, who suffered from, as many people probably know, hemophilia. And one major event, Alexei suffered was suffering from an, an, an internal hemorrhage, which could, could have proved fatal. And Rasputin was asked to come to aid Alexei and heal him. Within two days, Alexei made a full recovery. It is curious. I wonder how he did that. He told the doctors to stop giving him aspirin, which was a blood-thinning agent. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess he would have got that knowledge from the monastery, you think? Like, it's just... How would he have gotten that knowledge? And maybe with his travels. It's just, it's just curious to me. But Well, he got it somewhere. He's, yeah, he was just 
charismatic, learn stuff along the way, use that stuff to his advantage. He's kind of like, he kind of reminds me of Manson. Like how yeah. everyone always says like he was so charismatic and you know you, you hear the him bit described and you think oh he's this like you know six two you know strong guy and what was he like five something and like he was a pipsqueak yeah and and it's like well what's the big deal about him why why is everyone so like gaga over him and i bet you i bet these russian like military leaders and nobility and stuff are like what's such a big deal with rasputin <laughs> They cluck their tongues and stroke their beards and say, what will be done about this Grigory Rasputin? That being said, the elite in, Ru in the Russian courts were growing very tired of Rasputin. They viewed him as uh, meddling, immoral. They called him the Mad Monk. They Also, they subjected him to surveillance, like detailed surveillance. They were called, oh, let's see, what are, what are they called? The, the, the staircase notes, where they basically just watched him go... Uh, detailing his debaucherous behavior with women, drink, and bribery. So this guy was, you know, a holy man, but he was pretty much, he was into into some shady stuff. Sounds like it. There was a, many attempts, I'm, I'm going to kind of split this up a little bit. There were attempts made on his life. So the first major attempt that was made against Rasputin's life was when, was by a sex worker named Kionia Guseva, who stabbed him in the gut with a dagger. Witnesses claimed that as Rasputin's entrails fell from his stomach, Guseva shouted, I've killed the Antichrist. Oh. So, as he was recovering from that particular incident, there were some major doings going on in the world. War broke out. This was the First World War. And Rasputin was against war. He was not, unfortunately, there to advise the Tsar against going to war. The Tsar went to war anyways. However, he did mention that, well, he did advise the Tsar that if he's going to go to war, that he needs to be there and take over, take over command. So he needs to actually leave the royal palace, go to the front lines, take over for his general. Otherwise, the Russian troops will die or they'll lose. Who? That, that Nicholas has to go or Rasputin? Nicholas had to go. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the main guy himself. During this time, when Tsar is, is away during World War One, is when Rasputin's influence grew to its fullest potential. He began appointing hand-picked officials who aligned with his views, which caused respect for the royal family to decline. Ouch. Alexandra, the Tsarina, who was Anglo who was of Anglo German descent, was began to be accused of being a German spy. Things not looking good in the royal family. Rasputin started gaining more and more enemies. They were trying to come in, you know, take him, take remove him from power. Basically, so this guy's gone mad with power. He's got too much influence. He's too strong. We need to get rid of him. One of those enemies that he got was the Prime Minister Pyotr Stolypin, who claimed, while at a heated argument that Rasputin's satanic eyes quelled the argument. This was just one of many times where you know, Rasputin was accused of being able to use hypnosis to bend people to his will. He had the crazy eyes. He had crazy eyes. He was described as being lupine almost, like, it's like these fierce, like, focused eyes. Ironically, after all that happened, Stolypin was assassinated soon after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that brings us to 
now further attempts on his life. We've already gone over the Kionia Guseva stabbing him in the, in the stomach. Now there are other ones, but the final one made legend was at Moika Palace. The final attempt being made by a group of conspirators, including Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlo- Pavlovich and Prince Felix Yusupov. Using Yusupov's wife to lure Rasputin to their home, they fed Rasputin wine and cakes that were laced with potassium cyanide. Reportedly, there was enough poison in these cakes and wine and stuff to kill five men. But as he ate the cakes and drank the wine, Rasputin was unaffected. That's crazy. That's just crazy to think about. Right? So when this didn't work, the conspirators, well, Yusupov in particular, grabbed the Duke's revolver and shot him square in the chest multiple times. So while he's laying on, while Rasputin's laying on the floor, the men took his clothes, put them on, and drove to his apartment to give the perception that he had traveled home that night. When they returned and got went back into the basement at Moika Palace, they checked to make sure that he was dead. When they bent over to check, Rasputin jumped up and charged at them. Oh my gosh. So he managed to escape upstairs and outside the palace until he was shot in the back and collapsed in a snowbank in the courtyard. So they bundled him up, put him in a car, and drove to a bridge overlooking the Malaya Nevka River. His body was thrown in and later recovered. Now, the autopsy rumored to show water in his lungs, which meant that he died not from the various other things that they did to him, including the multiple gunshot wounds and poison, but just from drowning. Yeah, I remember that is the thing. Like, I didn't know all the details, but I just remember that he was stabbed, shot, poisoned, and finally drowned. That's always why I remember. Like, how did Rasputin die? Oh, these four things. Right. The creepy thing is that before all this actually happened, and I'm actually going to pull it up, he sent Tsar Nicholas the letter basically saying, warning of his impending murder and what would befall the royal family and Russia in general if he were to be killed. He said, I write and leave behind me this letter at St. Petersburg. I feel that I shall leave life before January 1st. I wish to make known to the Russian people, to Papa, to the Russian mother, and to the children. By the way, that's what he called the, the Tsar and the Tsar, and it was Mama and Papa. And to the children, to the land of Russia, and what they must understand. If I am killed by common assassins, and especially by my brothers, the Russian peasants, you, Tsar of Russia, have nothing to fear. Remain on your throne and govern, and you, Russian Tsar, will have nothing to fear for your children. They will reign for hundreds of years in Russia. But if I am murdered by boyars, nobles, and if they shed my blood, their hands will remain soiled with my blood for 25 years. They will not wash their hands from my blood. They will leave Russia. Brothers will kill brothers, and they will kill each other and hate each other, and for 25 years there will be no nobles in the country. Tsar of the land of Russia, if you hear the sound of the bell, which will tell you that Grigory has been killed, you must know this. If it was your relations who have wrought my death, then no one of your family, that is to say, none of your children or relations, will remain alive for more than two years. They will be killed by the Russian people. I shall be killed. I am no longer among the living. Pray. Pray, be strong, think of your blessed family. And what happened to the royal family shortly after that? He, as we discovered, he was maybe one of these people who was book smart, but like people smart. And he saw, he must have saw what was happening to Russia. And 
I don't know. It was one of those things where I feel like basically he knew. I mean, he was already stabbed once. So he knew people had it out for him. So he's basically saying, hey, if you protect me and I'm safe, your family will rule for 100 years. But if I'm murdered, you better watch out. I mean, if the Tsar got this letter, of course he's probably going to be like, yeah, let's protect you. But he just didn't get the, it sounds like he didn't get the letter. So I, I think it was just honestly, hearing it, you're like, ooh, it's mysterious. But honestly, I kind of feel like it's just more of a, what is the word I am looking for? Like a safety plan? You know, like a backup plan? You know, it's like the people who, I always remember the movie Casino, where he gives um, his wife this million dollars in a safe deposit box because he's like, if I'm ever kidnapped and they want ransom, this is the money you'll get. It's basically that. It, okay, I'm someone already attempted my life, so I'm going to get the, the, you know, mama and papa involved quote-unquote. I, I think it was more, less like mythical and ooh, mysterious, and more of a plan designed to save his life. Either way, it's pretty eerie. It is eerie. No, don't, don't get me wrong, it's really eerie, but yeah, I, I think he knew where the winds were taking him, and he just wanted to be protected. But that was the strange and true tale of Grigory Rasputin. Man, that's, it, that is an interesting story, though. I agree, it is. Good job. Thank you. Well, what do you got for us today? So I know I sometimes do this at the beginning. Um, I didn't really want to spend a lot of time on it, but I have a few announcements, and then I'll have my story. My story is pretty short, so I don't think it'll um, take too long, but I wanted to do some kind of follow-ups on previous stories. All right. All right. So the first thing I want to do is... A lot of people already may have heard this because this kind of came out at the end of August. And like I said, we're recording this mid-September and it won't be released until uh, end of October or close to end of October. And it is a while back, I did a story about Randonautica, the app that's supposed to give you these random coordinates based on intention and is supposed to lead you to this like kind of adventure. TikTok people have been doing it, YouTubers have been doing it, and I won't lie, my husband and I may have done it once, but uh, I'll I'll probably do a bigger follow-up, maybe even do a part two of this story, but I just wanted to update people that the story I talked about where a group of uh, Randonautica TikTokers found a suitcase, and it had a dead body in it. Well, the Seattle Times reported that it was two people and they were, that was found. And 62-year-old man, their landlord, has been charged with two counts of second-degree murder. And I still think it's the most random thing that these, I I don't want to say kids because I forgot how old they are, but they might be kids, like teenagers or at least early 20s. Just how it just led them to this weird suitcase and weird you know under a pier like that's what that's what gets me so I just wanted to kind of follow up with that a lot of people have been messaging me saying hey have you heard about this and yes thank you so much for letting me know and I still think that app is weird it's a little bit weird yeah okay so my second follow-up is so this is kind of going to be a, a little bit long but I I'm one of those people who when I find kind of weird coincidences 
oh, what's that word called? Like when everything kind of starts going together. I think people know what I'm talking about, but it's kind of like, it's not, it's a little bit of coincidence, but it just seems like all these coincidences keep happening. So recently I, I told you and our listeners about that weird entity I saw when I was a kid and I, you know, I wear glasses. So I described it as like a, a glowing man and it, it was weird. I remember it to this day. My brother, he had this great vision and he describes it as a man on fire and he doesn't talk about it. And so that's it. I, years ago, this is like three or four years ago, maybe more like four or five now, I sent in the story anonymously to Monsters Among Us because I just kind of wanted to see if anyone else has heard about this and no reports or anything. So I listen to all these podcasts, I tell you, and then... I do a story about the Empress Hotel, which is in Victoria. Now, I think because, you know, when I put it on Instagram and I hashtag, and it gave me suggestions, it actually suggested uh, this podcast called The Ghost Story Guys. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know why, but I added them because I I thought, okay, well, you know, it's coming up to Halloween. I know I'm going to listen to more podcasts at work. Ghost stories will sound good. And one of their Instagram links was part of their podcast. And so I listened to it and they were pretty funny. So I thought, you know, I want to start listening to them. Now, this is what's weird. I always, always go, excuse me. I always, always go from like the very first or second to the newest. I like to kind of get on the ground floor. Unless they have like 600 podcasts, then I'll just go like the last 50 and then work my way up that way. Well, this time for some reason, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to go down the list. And I started the third or fourth episode. They talk about this weird, uh, the word, say it for me. Anomaly. Thank you. And I thought, you know what? Not, you know, spoiler, I'm thinking of doing an, with you an episode about that. And so I contact them, you know, I just like send them like a little email saying, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I sent for my personal one. Because I wasn't going to be like, hey, I'm this show. I want to do your story. You know, gimme, gimme, gimme. And so I said, hey, you know, I'm just really intrigued by your stories because it's happened to us. And again, this is more about it in a future episode. But I basically sent them some stuff and I said, hey, you know, I would love to listen to your story or get more of your story because I would love to say it on our podcast. I kept listening. And I don't know why, but it just, everything just kept telling me, keep listening, keep listening, because I, I was so intrigued by them. And they even have a couple of books, and I bought their books, and more about that in a minute. Long story short, I know this is long, but I'm listening to one of their episodes. It's like the third or fourth episode I'm listening to. And literally, there's a caller, or not caller, but there's a, there's a person who wrote in, and they read her story. And actually, I can't remember if it was her or him, but they read the story, and she talks about footsteps and she talks about footsteps, the stairs. And I remember I was at work and I wasn't really paying attention. And I got my heart literally in my throat because the woman starts talking about seeing something like the end of the stairs or like basically seeing someone and they describe it as a man on fire without smoke. And I just like, I had this, like, I seriously had this lump in my throat. And I was like, that's exactly what I saw. And I can't believe that 
that someone else has seen the same thing. And the person actually said they watched this documentary later and they said that um, they were talking about shadow people in this documentary they watched. It, they, it might be a djinn. And I was just like, it, it just blew my mind. And I just have this, like, even now when I'm talking about it, I'm just like, I can't believe that, like, I, I kind of feel like I'm not alone. Like, I know my my brother saw the same thing as I did, but, like, it's really hard sometimes when you, when you experience something and you don't know if you're crazy or you're, it's a dream or you're, because maybe you were young and maybe you did imagine it. And then, I mean, there, now there's people who have a theory. I don't know if it's a theory or if it's, a, it's actually a study, but someone was telling me that uh, there's even um, talk that a lot of times when these, when kids have these experiences when they're younger, it might be a sign of trauma when they were younger. And so they're investigating, they're kind of like investigating that. So it's like, so basically it's nothing supernatural. It's just how your body's trying to, to your brain is kind to uh, fix what it thinks it's too scary to, to realize. Like it's just, it's just a lot of stuff. And um, I actually did kind of think I was crazy in a sense of this story. No, no one else has a story like this. And then when just hearing that, and it's just so weird to me that I probably would not have listened to this podcast if I didn't do the story about the Empress Hotel, which actually was a story from our listeners. And Instagram didn't connect me because I, because this podcast are um, two men and they talk about Victoria, Canada. I think they're from Victoria, Canada. Or at least I, I don't know if they're um, located in Victoria or near it. But like, it's just, it's just all this stuff. And so like, I kind of want to, they have a, like a ghost hotline, like you could call in your stories and I kind of want to contact them and be like, not to thank them, but like kind of thank their, their listeners because they're a listener because I'm telling you, I was at work and I rewind that story like three times just to listen to it. And I remember I was listening to it and my phone rang and I did that one of those. I picked up, I'm like, what? Like, what do you want? I'm busy. <laughs> but it just, I, I can't believe someone else saw what I saw when I was a kid. And they even talked about it was like 25, 30 years ago. So it was like in the, even in the same time frame. And I just... Anyways, like I said, I'm, I'm debating on calling them. I already sent them an email about something else, but I really kind of want to call them, but I don't want to feel like... You ever see the movie Swingers? I don't want to feel like John Favreau when he keeps calling the person over and over and over. <laughs> and then the woman picks up and says, John, don't call me again. <laughs> so I don't want to feel like that, but I just... I was really affected by this this um podcast i'm not i'm not even gonna lie and like i said i bought their books and you know they've helped me so much so i'm just going to go ahead and you know they don't know i'm doing this they, i they've never contacted me about or anything but i'm gonna plug their their books because somehow i must be somehow meant to do this i just feel that way i really honestly feel that way because this whole path that took me right to that podcast their podcast is is honestly pretty good so it's, again it's the ghost story guys um they're a little blue so they do uh in the early episodes it's weird i just started the like yesterday their early episodes like episodes one two and three and you could tell their podcast has changed because i probably listened to the last um 10 15 episodes and i started from the beginning because i kind of wanted to see how they evolved <laughs> so they're pretty funny They've changed 
they're a little blue, so they, they I think they tried not to curse in the beginning, but now I think they do curse or they're explicit. So in the beginning, um, sorry, Jay, but it seemed like it was more guy's humor. And at first I was all like, I don't know if I get this, but I already know where they end. Like, I already know I like them. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna just keep listening. And then like, they made me crack up because you could tell they were just starting out podcasting. And they had this whole episode about <laughs> this really great um, story. And then they kept talking about like, there's a motorcycle outside. And the one guy's like, I'm trying to create a little nuance here. And this motorcycle is just going across. And I was like, oh my God, that reminds me of when me and you were used to try to record. And then everyone decided at like three o'clock on a Saturday, that's when they were going to come outside and like yell and scream. Or mow their lawn. Oh yeah, or mow the lawn. It's like, it's, it's summer. It's 113 degrees out there. Why are you mowing your lawn? Again, and then they have two books. It, it, they have a website. Goes guys, um, type in Google. It'll take you to their website. But um, so the one is a strange little place, the hauntings and unexplained events of one small town. And this is the plug, or not the plug, but this is the the back. Embark on a fascinating journey into Revelstoke, Canada, a world-renowned ski destination with a well-kept secret. It has a long and active paranormal history, just as breathtaking as its mountain views. Packed with the stories of hauntings, UFOs, Sasquatch, missing time, and much more. A strange little place takes you into a small town full of thrilling secrets and bizarre encounters. So that's the book I'm actually reading right now. I bought it this week on Kindle. And it's, it has everything I want. He, it's by Brennan Store. Store S T O R R. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. He um, is a really well, like it's really well done. He's a good writer, and it's the type of book I like. Where <sighs> some of these books they get so fanciful, where it's like, and then the fog rolled in, and it was dripping down, and then this, and they try to do so much atmosphere that I'm like, where's the story? And then then the story is like two sentences or like and then that's when they saw the figure and never to be seen again and it's like okay that took like you know a thousand words and you could have told it in 20 but he has all these stories about this town and he kind of starts doing it in sections and houses and it's so far i'm really enjoying it i'm only like i don't know not even 15 percent through my kindle so i have a lot to go but i'm really getting excited about it the other Sounds one, yeah, doesn't it sound interesting? I'm hoping that they do contact me because I would love to do one of the stories on there. The other one, and this is probably the reason why my Instagram like popped me to them, is Ian Gibbs, the other co-host, did Victoria's Most Haunted, ghost stories from BC's historical capital city. And again, I did the Empress Hotel, which is in Victoria. So it's pro now I'm actually kind of kicking myself because if I read this, <laughs> if I read this and I find so many more stories, I might be doing a part two of The Empress. <laughs> Beautiful charm in Victoria is world-renowned for its seaside attractions, flourishing gardens, and breathtaking ocean views. But looming behind its picture-perfect facade is a city shrouded in mystery with restless, disembodied beings that whisper ghastly tales of mystery, violence, and horror. Mm. Yeah, right? And then here's what's really... <laughs> Here's, and if you want to know how this podcast is, the two hosts. So there's a um, there's a really big quote from Barbara Smith, author of Campfire Stories of Western Canada. And it's a beautiful, he's a Gibbs is a master storyteller, um, offering us a glimpse of the city. 
you know, just really beautiful language. It's a, like a paragraph review. And then his co-host, Brennan, <laughs> says, quote, I swear I have read this book. <laughs> like, I feel like if I ever wrote a book, that I feel like that's something you would tell me. Sounds about right. Yeah. So like I said, I don't know what it was that the universe was trying to say, like, hey, you had this experience. And I just, I've been spending so long researching and watching things about about my experience and not finding anything and just to like have it pop up on a podcast I'm listening to I just feel it's like really amazing so that was my other kind of announce not announcement but follow-up of uh, I think I'm kind of on the road to figure out what my experience was when I was a kid which I'm kind of like really excited to like really get into and look into that's pretty awesome yeah. Now that wasn't my story, of course, since that was just more of a really long plug. And again, they don't know I'm doing that or anything. I'm just honestly just blown away that how stuff worked out. But on with my story. Tonight, you'll be hearing about the Plate River Ship of Death. Ooh, a ship of death. Right? So my sources on this is smalltownmyths.com, Northwestern Ghosts and Hauntings, and Legends of America. Picture it, it's the 1800s, Wyoming, along the banks of the Platte River. You're walking along when you notice in the middle of the river, a weird mist has rolled in and is coming towards you. Not thinking much, you continue on. It happens, it's a river. But then, as the mist gets thicker, it soon turns into this weird, thick fog. A bank so thick that you can't quite see through it. But here's the strange part. This bank of fog is only in this small section of the river. As you watch, the fog starts curling into itself and out comes an old sailing ship. And you realize it's a vessel known as a ship of death. And with it, it's already too late to turn away. Because now, You'll have a message. You've been delivered the message of death close to you. The phantom crew will stop work to huddle on the deck. They'll surround something that you can't quite see. When they finally do break away, you'll see that there's a body in the center. And it is said that the body will be close to the person who sees the ship. Someone they know. Someone they care about. And that same day that you've seen the ship is the same person, that loved one will die. The first reported story, according to legend, was in 1862 when the ship was seen by Leon Weber. It is reported that he saw the ghost ship when he was walking along the river hunting. As he was walking along, he saw the mist, the fog, and the ship roll in. When he saw the workers, they had stopped moving and just spread across the deck. When they did that, he saw the body of his fiancée. As soon as he recognized her, the ship then fades away and the fog starts turning back into the mist and the mist rolls and disappears. Weber, when he sees this, he thinks it's strange, but not thinking much of it, he, be, he still hunts and then later he goes home, only to find when he returns, his fiance is cold and dead on the floor. So now, 25 years later, a cattleman is taking his herd along the river's edge and he sees mist coming down from the sky and the fog swirl in 
and the ship come out. And just like Weber, he sees the ghostly crew huddle along the deck and he can't see what they're doing, but when they move apart and the ship is close enough that when they move apart, he sees his wife in the middle laying before him. Shocked, he rushes home and that same day, he learns that his wife has died. The last account comes from a man in 1903. He was removing trees in his yard along the bank. And again, the fog rolls in thick, only in this one area, with the same result of the ghost crew stopping their work, coming down to the lower deck, huddle in for a while, and then moving away, only to see his good friend in the center lying on the boards. That same result happens. He gets word that his friend was dead. And that's the Plate River Death Ship. It's a creepy legend. It is. I think I've heard of that one before, too. So are they, is, do they ever say, like, when the people die, do they die all the same way? Like, they just drop dead? Or is it like, it's just letting them know somebody's going to die, but not from, from any particular way, you know? The stories I read, it was basically, that's the creepy part, is that you see the ship, see the vision of the loved one, and then that loved one dies in that same day. It's not clear as of a warning or a curse. Like, hey, here's a warning. You better get home. Stop hunting. Get home because so-and-so is about to die. Or, haha, you saw me. Now we're taking something from you. It wasn't clear on which one they think it is. So if you see a, if you see a ghost ship rolling up in a fog... Just turn around and walk away, because as long as you don't see it, it can't get you. I know. I get. I think I would, in my head, be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to walk away. I don't want to see that. But then in my head, I probably would be like, what's going to happen next? Like, ghost ship, you can leave me out of as much as you want. Well, it's like one of my favorite movies, and I've been watching it. I must have... Well, I've been listening to it at work. I haven't really sat down. Maybe I'll do this weekend. Get a nice big bowl of popcorn, some soda, and watch this movie. But I really enjoy the 19, I think it's 1979, John Carpenter's The Fog. You watch that movie, and it has a ghost ship, and it has a ghost pirate crew. Well, it's not really pirates, but it has a ghost crew. It has fog coming in, and it on a town on the bay it's like it's just it's all the stuff i love and like throughout the whole i like listening to at work because it's really cold in my office and sometimes when i'm listening to it and then i hear them using the foghorn like and i'm just like oh my gosh i feel like i'm at the coast right now (laughs) but yeah so it creeps me out like the whole idea of fog and the like not being able to see what's in it so that movie really is like one of the better creepier movies for me and when I read this one I just there's not many myths and I was seeing if I could find another because this one was so short there's not really many myths about fog which really surprised me because I feel like now when authors fictional authors are doing a story fog is a big a big deal like I'm thinking like Stephen King's The Mist I'm thinking of well, I mean, like, we have The Fog again, the remake. And that story was a little bit different. In these stories, you always have some weird fog rolling. I mean, even Field of Dreams had this whole weird scene of them meeting a ghost in the fog. Like, it's so good that you just, you don't realize that's such a great element. And then you realize there's really no ghost stories or urban legends with fog. Unless it's your personal story. 
But yeah, that's a good story. Very creepy. Yeah, right? Well, between that and the mad monk who wouldn't die, <laughs> I think tonight was uh, pretty successful. I would think so. Yeah, and next week, if I upload these correctly, my schedule is correct. Next week should be, the next time we post, it should be the 29th. So it'll be uh, in two weeks if I did this correctly. And we actually will have something special for our listeners. And I'm not going to give it too much away, but I think you're really going to enjoy our Halloween special. What do you think, Jay? Oh, I think they're going to enjoy it. (laughs) They have no choice. (laughs) They could always turn us off. No, that's not an option. (laughs) I think it's time for our legendary listener shout out. Our shout-out this week goes to some new listeners in the Channel Islands. We're looking at you, Guernsey. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it. It's so exciting to get new listeners, and I'm really hoping that you guys will stick along with us and continue listening to our stories. And hopefully, boy, spread the word. Yes, spread the word. Uh, Tell us ghost stories. Tell us your stories. Post stuff on our Instagram. I'll admit I'm not so much on Facebook anymore. I really like it when we do get messages and people tell us their stories. And I'm hoping that other people will share. So thank you so much for our new listeners. Ready to take us home, Jay? I am. This has been another exciting and successful episode of Legends in the Dark. My name is Jay. And I'm Leslie. Your purveyors of the paranormal and your curators of the creepy. We thank you and... Good night. Good night.